Welcome to the Restart Radio Show, a very different show about gadgets on Resonance FM 104.4. This is a different show because unlike most, uh, we don't focus on those new shiny, shiny things we're supposed to buy. We focus on the value and the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our fun monthly uh, repair events here in London called Restart Parties are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter from the Restart Project, and I'm excited to be joined by Fidi today. Um, she's the coordinator of one of the coordinators of Hackney Fixers as a volunteer, and by day she's a campaigner with Share Action, an NGO that uses uh, shareholder pressure and uh, responsible investment to improve, uh, well, to improve corporate conduct, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> correct. Cool. So um, in this episode, we're going to talk to Fidi um, first about how she helped kind of spark a mini repair revolution in Hackney um, together with us. And and then we're going to talk a little bit about her day job and what we what can be learned from shareholder activism and how this could be relevant in our quest to improve electronics design and manufacture. So Fidi, um, tell us how you got how you got to know us and how you got uh, well fixing in Hackney. Yeah, so I've been part of a local environmental group in Hackney, um, Friends of the Earth group, for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, I've been interested in these issues for a long time. Um, at some point, started a campaign which is called Make It Better, Friends of the Earth, which was all about making better, more um, sustainable products, which are easier to be recycled and repaired. And um, There was also a bit on tin, right? I remember there was some focus on ethical tin, which is used in electronics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was an mm-hmm. important element of it. Um, so we were running that, and then at some point I met you guys <laughs> and got inspired by um, restart parties and, and thought it would be really lovely to get a practical element to that campaign and then attended some training one and a half years ago at two and a half years ago and then um, started together with Sustainable Hackney, which is another local environmental organization um, to start, yeah, to to run research parties in Hackney. Yeah, and you guys have really um, created, um, I would say Hackney is one of our greatest nodes of activity in London. Um, Ugo and I, we live, well, he lives north, I live south. And I remember when we started uh, throwing our events, our parties, we thought, Hackney has all the fun. We're, we're like, all the cool people are in Hackney. Hackney has all the fun. We're going to do some stuff in North and South London. But we did it knowing, knowing that some people in Hackney would come forward. And we're really <laughs> glad you guys did. Yeah, came true. <laughs> um, and you guys have taken it to the next level in many ways. So there was a really amazing event in uh, November, was it, called The Big Fix. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we wanted to to get more repairers involved in um, in our activities. So ran this big um, big fix event <laughs> where we had I think overall eight um, organisations uh, who were offering repairing um, not just of the usual electronics but of bikes, uh, clothes. Um, we had some maintenance of clothing, workshops, some upcycling activities, some furniture upcycling. Um, and yeah, it's just an amazing atmosphere. I think it really inspired people to think about all sorts of different elements that can be repaired. We had this one woman who who came and got her bike maintenance, um, her laptop fixed, and just did something with her clothes as well. And like, was hugely <laughs> wow. inspired. Yeah. It so. sounds like we should have like an Olympics of repair. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, I really, I noticed that, you know, 
uh, focusing on like gadgets, um, it really just it cascaded throughout the rest of my life. So I just really think differently about the things that I own. Um, I end up mending. Um, and sometimes reusing and modding and hacking, mm. um, but it really has changed the way I think. And I think it's great that we made links with um, with different repair groups. Yeah. Um, for the climate march, we were all marching together as fixers and vendors. That was really great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, and we're trying to to make that a regular element of mm-hmm. our restart parties as well to have a little bit of of clothing upcycling repairing on the site um, yeah there's so. there's a never-ending need for that so yeah. in your next event uh, when is that one is March 12th I believe yeah absolutely um at the Akola theater in Dalston and um, yeah we've got a fabrications lady called Bali, who's coming and doing some some clothing repair, and then there's uh, yeah lots of usual great electronics repairing. The great thing about the clothes repair is that it it's um it feels slightly more accessible to the average person. Now maybe it requires some degree of like maybe hand skill, but also it's just um, slightly less kind of intimidating maybe than the electronic stuff. So yeah, and um, I think you might be able to to hook some some people who. A bit um, shy away from electronics repair, you might get them through like some other, like slightly easier types of repair. Yeah, and actually that reminds me. So we another thing we had recently um, after the big fix was we did a sewing machine Skillshare together. Yeah, um, and that was you brought a sewing machine, which I believe you rescued. Uh, tell us the story. I, it was inherited by my. Um, boyfriend's grandmother <laughs> and it yeah we opened it up and it was full full of dust so the main task was really to to clean it out which took a good good amount of time and then I I mean I'm fairly new to this <laughs> sewing so um I just learned how to to thread it correctly and um yeah but we had oh, yeah. a great facilitator he was a real pro in all, all the elements of sewing machine machine maintenance yeah, no, that was great. And it was really both empowering, but also really had me appreciate um, the sewing machine as, as a machine, as a mechanism, it's the, the genius of it. Um, I saw an animated, um, an animated GIF of the sewing machine the other day, the way it act, the mechanism works, and it's really cool. Um, and it's important to actually recognize that there's a link between uh, textiles and industrialization and textiles and computing. I was just thinking about mm. actually um, some early computing was very much inspired by textiles. So it's a great connection to make. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've taken mm-hmm. away from it is that definitely get one of the really old ones from the <laughs> 60s or 70s because they're really, they last for decades. So um, that was a yeah, key I recommendation. <laughs> I remember our facilitators yeah. saying, I, I, I joked with you earlier that we don't hear this ever. She said, uh, this you need to do every 20 years. <laughs> So I loved that. Yeah. Great. Um, so that's, um, well, you do that in your, um, I'm sure, ample spare time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and tell us tell us a little bit more about your job with Share Action and what you do. Yeah, so I work for a charity called Share Action. Um, it's an organization that has been promoting responsible investment for the last 10 years. So we really try to um, change the investment system so it becomes a force for good, so it serves people and communities and protects our environment. Um, and I am not officially complaining, I'm, um, I, I develop a European network to um, facilitate skills exchange in this type of uh, campaigning with European organizations. Okay, so the, the reason you need to do that, I'm assuming, is because like not every company is registered here in the UK that we might want to 
we might want to influence. Is that right? Yeah, that that is one part of it. Um, but then it's also we think there's still more potential for this type of campaigning, which I'll explain a bit more in a minute um, across Europe. Okay. Um, and yeah, some, yeah, we still see more potential for this. So I was telling you earlier that my, you know, growing up, I mean, my impression about how to influence companies was basically it was very much shaped by the boycott and a kind of like a adversarial or, um, uh, well, a a very maybe stringent form of campaigning. Um, And like, so I remember the Nike boycott, you know, that was massive for me. and it seems like uh, your proposition is slightly different. Um, and I'm not saying that one is more important than the other, but can you explain? So what it is that you how, how can we influence companies if we're not um, telling them we won't buy their things or we're not um, picketing outside the stores or how, how else can we influence companies? Yeah, I mean, those are definitely still valuable <laughs> things to do. Um, but one of the things we do is um, so-called shareholder activism. What it is uh, is um, that we engage companies as shareholders ourselves. So we have shares in the UK largest publicly traded companies, so the FTSE 100. And um, if you only have one share, that allows you to go to the company's general meetings, so-called AGMs. And um, if you get access to those, then you can ask questions. So it's a really fantastic way of um, getting easy access to boards and um, also get raise awareness of issues among fellow investors. Okay, can I be cheeky and ask like oh, do you have to do you have to look the part? Do you have to dress <laughs> up? How does how does that actually work in practice? Um, well, how it works in practice is um, we do, I mean, we go to AGMs ourselves a lot, but we do train supporters as well. So we help them like understand how an AGM works and help them frame powerful questions. What is a powerful question? It's something that um, the company is likely to, to care about. So if you just talk about something which is completely non-related to their business, then it's uh, difficult to get their attention. Um, but then we do recommend to, uh, yeah, I look a little bit smart. It's just easier to get um, the respect of, of fellow investors. And that's really a crucial thing to do when you go there, try to get the mood um, onto your side. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, probably listeners can tell that we don't necessarily think like investors here and um, and uh, companies, but it's a really good exercise potentially to think about, okay, um, the companies seem to be quite uh, invested in um, their image, often the, their brand. But what other ways can you appeal to companies in their own terms, in terms of like becoming more responsible, better companies? Um, yeah, just thinking about, I mean, we try to take the, the investor's view and we try to think about what, what sort of corp- corporate behavior is risky, either in terms of ret- reputation or um, litigation, um, uh, staff retainment, all sorts of things which have a like an impact on, on the... On the bottom line. Yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. of the company. So, um do you have any examples? I mean, you don't have to name a company, but like any examples of how you were able to put pose a question that's about any of the things you just mentioned? Yeah, so big campaign we've um, been working on together with the Living Wage Foundation is the Living Wage Campaign, which is um, yeah a campaign which asks a voluntary scheme which asks companies to pay a an independently 
calculated rate of the living wage, a, a rate which is sort of enough to to live off, um, like in London and um, the rest of the UK. So that's okay, slightly and different. Rate. As a parenthesis, the government has created what they're calling a living wage, but you're talking about something different, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> it's it's a <clears throat> it's a it's a higher rate, um, which yeah, as I said, it's been independently calculated, so it's actually really enough to kind of live off yourself and like maybe feed a family, um, and yeah, okay. we believe that's yeah. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> how, but how, how do you frame that in terms like that a company might get behind? Yeah, so, so um, I mean. So partly we go to to AGMs and I've been like since I think 2013 asking companies to to sign up to to this and then like raised awareness among investors and um, yeah it's already led to 30 FTSE companies having signed up which is fantastic because a few years ago there were only a couple of them having wow, done that. Wow, that is remarkable. Yeah. Um, but then we also. Um, engage investors directly um, with campaigns. So in this case, we prepare so-called investor briefings where we explain that the living wage is really fantastic for, for their staff's health, which um, like is, is good to, is, uh, is of course um, important to companies. It's um, important to keep staff, like retention is um, an important issue. Um, Generally, like reputation and all, all of that, as, as okay. we said, have, yeah. has inputs, uh, well, impacts on the bottom sure. line. Sure. And you'd think on some level, like retailers uh, would be thinking, OK, uh, you know, are there are they are our employees, but they're also potentially are they're the they're they're our customers. In other words, if we're not paying people properly, they can actually buy things. And, you know, um, that's an interesting other argument. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they've been. A little hard to to crack so far. Um, yeah, we've been yeah, campaigning for with retailers. Yeah, interesting. Tes- Tesco and M and S and yeah, but um, huh. still still working on it. So <laughs> and we were so we were talking earlier about the kind of companies that are on the FTSE 100 that might be related to electronics and the work that we do. And um, there aren't too many uh, major manufacturers um, on that list, but it uh, but mining companies and retailers come to mind um, as you know, potential companies to influence. Mm. Um, and one of the things you were, and when we're talking about the living wage, I'm quite interested in that because um, if you look at uh, retailers, they're selling products that are made with such complex supply chains that go all around the world. Um, so so how do we, you were saying that uh, the strategy is to start here, obviously, improve things here, but what's, how can we actually in future start to make things better for people who are producing and involved in the supply chains of the products we buy? I think, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there are already lots of organizations working on, um, yeah, getting an international um, living wage off the ground, Get and some companies have applied that, particularly in Southeast Asia, but... Um, yeah, it's it's something like it's a bit of a longer journey, and um, as you said, it does become a little bit more complex with lots and lots of supply, um, yeah, supply companies. And, um, yeah. Okay, you're listening to uh, Resonance one hundred four point four FM, and uh, this is an independent, non corporate radio station, and it depends on your help um, to to uh, to keep this amazing programming. Um, there's a fundraiser running from. Um, from the 13th to the 21st of February, so that is now. And Resonance could really use your support. Um, please go online and think about making a donation to keep this um, independent uh, programming uh, for everyone in London. 
Um, so, Fidi, uh, um, so tell us a little bit more about um, the other. The, so, you train. You said you also train people to um, to approach their pension funds. And one of the things that I wanted to reinforce with people is that um, we don't just influence companies in the moment we buy things. We're actually part of a much larger system. And mm-hmm. so, if we're contributing to a pension. Um, a pension that's invested in the markets, we are actually, like, we are we are investors. Absolutely, yeah, and that's something we really are trying to, to raise awareness um, of. So, yeah, lots of, I think no one really, like, lots of people don't really think um, what happens to the money that they put aside, but it doesn't just sit on the bank, in the bank somewhere, but um, the pension funds, particularly in the UK, it, it varies from country to country, but they... They um, yeah, often invest um, this money into equity, also into other t- types of investment, but equity is the, the largest part of it. Um, which that means uh, they yeah they mean that means that they invest into company stock. Um, yeah, and we do really want pension funds to uh, yeah take note on where they invest, engage companies when there are those companies are involved in controversial um, projects. But also um, be transparent where they invest, what kind of policies they have, um, and be accountable for it. And um, one of the things we do really want pension funds to do is to to seek the views of their members, um, because yeah, in the end, it's it's their money. And yeah. as you said, like we we regularly run trainings um, which allow people to to meet their pension funds and raise issues that they are concerned about. You know, that's really interesting for me because, you know, so in my activist, um, uh, oh, well, upbringing, I, um, <laughs> I basically there was the idea that you'd go visit your elected official and that was a very effective way often of, it's so much more effective than sending a letter. Um, but the notion that uh, me as somebody paying into a pension that I would go and have a chat with them about how they're investing my money. That's really, really interesting. Mm. Um, potentially not as sexy and as, <laughs> you know, like, hey, I'm going to talk to my pension fund, everybody. But um, but actually, if you think about it, um, it's really important for us to engage at that level. Yeah, it's a slightly more complicated message to, to um, sell to activists. But um, I think... Uh, yeah, lots of people do react quite well to it and do like yeah find it really exciting. It's the same as that going to um, an AGM. It just it really allows you to to have a say and speak to decision makers. And particularly with the pension funds, they're not used to hearing from their members, or it's a relatively new phenomenon. Phenomenon. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, we found that it's a very effective way of um, yeah, influencing pension fund investment to the better. And institutions, you said also, correct? Because um, I remember, in well, just before I got started with the Restart Project, I was working on uh, looking at uh, large-scale land acquisition, or other, otherwise known as land grabbing. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out that some of the, um, the investors that were probably most backing this kind of behavior of, of, of com- large companies um, buying up land that people were living off of um, was was actually being supported by uh, U.S. universities, mm. big institutional f- uh, f- uh, investors, essentially. Yeah. And, and that was invisible to many people, including, you know, the people who who work for them and yeah and maybe the investors themselves weren't even aware so which is partly why we really want them to be vigilant 
succulent mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, look out for how. I mean, often they don't invest themselves, but they've got these big asset managers, so they um, need to be very clear yeah, with them how they want to. It's invest. all really abstract, isn't it? Yeah, so asset asset management and um, diversification and all these things and different financial products, but actually. Uh, if you if you follow these uh, these terms and these uh, products and these phenomena all the way to their like logical kind of all the consequences all the way down the chain, you realize that there are people on the other side of the globe, and mm. then of course as you as you mentioned, people right here in our city who are actually in some sense getting squeezed, yeah. like the value is being squeezed from them mm. and. Um, it's it's uh, something that's hard to make concrete for people, and it's hard to make maybe pensions or investment an exciting topic. Um, but if we don't, you yeah. know, what the consequences are real. Yeah, um, yeah, we we work hard on that. But I think um, yeah, we're like slowly building our case, and um, we also have a lot of um, online campaigns which yeah make that link clear quite um yeah in a quite an accessible way i think um for example got um an email tool at the moment app where you can email your pension fund um and ask the pension fund to support the transition to a low carbon economy so yeah, basically asking your pension fund to um yeah watch out for like like kind of stay away from very risky very very high um carbon investments and sort of uh, yeah put money to renewable energy and that's really interesting so yet another issue where yeah it's really good that we can start with what's around us but um, from our perspective as the restart project um, people never account for the carbon emissions that are made in manufacture of products in other Mm. words there's this um, there's this tendency to calculate our carbon emissions in the UK based on only what we are uh, emitting on UK soil however everything that we import is essentially um, well, it's 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 caused massive carbon emissions in China and all the way down the supply chain. So it's quite a similar thing to what you were saying about the living wage. Is that maybe it's good to start here, but eventually, I hope this logic of let's clean things up can mm. can be truly internationalized as yeah. well. I mean, getting investors themselves to um, calculate their carbon footprint is definitely um, a key aim of ours um, and that that has then in international implications so it's not just I mean investors are such international entities anyway um, yeah and they do need to measure them on oh that's interesting level. so you're asking investors to ca- to calculate their carbon yeah, footprint yeah, absolutely uh-huh. and um, it's quite interesting France has recently um, released some law which um, yeah requires big uh, institu- institutional investors to do just that and like yeah monitor um the the impact they have on environmental social and governance issues and yeah calculate their carbon footprint so so let me get this right so an investor will have a share in a company and the company calculates its total carbon footprint and for all of its operations and activities and the investor takes responsibility for that little share that little sliver or oh, big of, share. <laughs> a big share yeah, i guess of the carbon footprint and oh, that's really interesting mm. um and so are they reporting this or, or is this something that you'll encourage investors and pensions to to actively, as you say, become more transparent about? Is this is this where things are headed? 
Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some progressive investors um, out there who work quite hard on, on these areas, like um, Aviva, for example, or also the Environment Agency Pension Fund. They're very um, progressive in this area. Um, yeah, with the letter, I'm not 100% sure whether they measure their carbon footprint as well. But um, yeah, definitely people are, are listening to that. And I think particularly post-Paris, um, more and more... <sighs> Investors are aware of the challenges of, of climate change and being more aware of um, they need to do something as well. Okay, well, that, that's definitely the glass is half full. Um, so <laughs> some days I feel optimistic and other days I'm, I'm not so sure. Mm, yeah. Um, okay, great. Um, and is there any, anything that um, you can tell listeners who might want to get more involved? Like, so immediately, what is it that people can, can go out and do and learn from Share Action? Yeah, do do have a look at our website. It's uh, shareaction.org. Um, there's yeah the the email, email campaign which I just mentioned. Um, also, do double check on our website. But I think on the twenty fourth of February there's um, an AGM training coming up, which yeah trains you up to go to a company AGM and ask a question that you care about. Um, and there's another one in March. But um, yeah, that's all like electronically available so <laughs> okay and yeah i mean if if you're listening and you never thought about your pension and you never you, or, or you're like me and you probably like check the default after reading for all of 20 seconds about the other options um maybe it's time to uh, and, and actually yeah. probably i think it's like two-thirds of people choose the default correct pension plan that's offered to them look you're not alone but there's yeah. still time to make it more immediate and more interesting for yourself. Absolutely, and that, that's definitely one one other thing. If you find some fellow uh, pension fund members who are members of the same pension fund, then uh, do think about trying to meet them. And um, again, like we we offer support with that to make sure you get the most out of it. And we were saying that this is becoming um, more and more important. I mean, this is shareholder activism and, and this kind of and pensions um, pensions have been a big issue in the U.S. for longer, um, partly just because the U.S. essentially has like yeah. no no real state um, uh, well the social security to speak of that's that will keep people going yeah. in their old age so we've had that for longer kind of a much more tradition of, of private sector invested um, yeah, pensions it's the but it's pension. but it's coming up here I mean this is the tendency here whether we like it or not um, so yeah the, the UK <laughs> has got the the largest uh, I think, yeah, the largest pension fund sector in Europe for a similar reason to, to what you just said, that like in in lots of co um, countries on mainland Europe, you do get more general state pensions. And here it's quite small. So um, people do save privately. Um, so it's definitely lots of room to, to take influence. Yeah. And we can't we just we can't afford to turn a blind eye because the money is being invested in our name. Um, and it's. Uh, well, it's it's time to take a, some responsibility. And Absolutely. as you said, not everybody has to get involved. You said that pensions are actually quite um, interested to talk to small groups. So that's mm. actually quite an empowering thing to hear. Yeah. Um, you're listening to Restart Radio and um, just wanted to tell you about um, some events coming up. Um, this Saturday in Tooting, uh, you can find information on our website, therestartproject.org. We will be having a restart party <laughs> where you can get help with your sad and broken electronics and electricals. Basically, anything with a battery or that plugs in. 
we can help you take a look at it. We can help you figure out what's wrong. And sometimes, well, more often than not, we can help you fix it. Um, and this Saturday, we'll be donating all of the proceeds, all the donations to Resonance FM um, <laughs> to, keep this, to keep this and other radio shows going. So come, fix something, donate generously um, to Resonance FM. You can donate in person in Tooting at our restart party, or you can donate online on the Resonance website. Um, thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll be back next Tuesday, 1.30 p.m. And the Hackney Fixers are also <laughs> have something coming out on the 12th of March at the Arcola Theatre in Dorset.